0: Are you ready for God's Word? Yeah. Amen, amen. Hey, it's important to lean into God's Word. It's important to have an excitement about God's Word. I don't know about you, but God's Word changed my life. God's Word is amazing. And so today, I do not have a Mother's Day message, per se. This is an everyone's message. And... Uh, God didn't put a Mother's Day message on my heart, He has me talking about the church. But I do believe this is a mother's heart. A mother's heart is um, captured in the message that God put on my heart today for, for our church. And so I'm going to invite you to, rem- to, uh, to open up your Bibles to the book of Acts, and I, and I want to remind you that while we are in the book of Acts and we're talking about the church, This is not a message about the book of Acts, it's about the church, meaning that you might get excited and say, oh, I can't wait till he gets to this part, or you might read it uh, with me in the book of Acts and read on ahead and say, wow, I wonder when he's going to cover this, and then you might be tempted to say, pastor, you missed this, or you didn't cover this, or when are you going to get to this, and I'll remind you, this is about the church, not about the book of Acts, I'm just using the book of Acts to reference what God puts on my heart about the church. Does that make sense? So um, we have been in the book of Acts, and we covered chapter 1 and most of chapter 2. Last week I said we would finish chapter 2, and so uh, chapter 1 is Jesus Christ. He's risen from the grave. He's conquered death. He's been uh, appearing to his disciples and teaching them for about 40 days. On the 40th day, he ascends to heaven and he says, wait a little while longer because the Holy Spirit is on his way. And so the disciples are faithful in waiting and the Holy Spirit descends. A miracle takes place in that you have flaming tongues of fire above the disciples' heads and they begin to speak in languages that are known by the by the, the foreigners that are in Jerusalem that, that day. I say that because they're from different parts of the Middle East, and, and, and at, least, at least 14 different uh, nationalities are listed there in the book of Acts, and they each start to hear these Galileans speaking to them in their own language. What are they saying? They're proclaiming the good news of the gospel. What is the good news of the gospel? that we will one day face a judge. And if you face that judge in your own righteousness, you will be found wanting. There will be judgment to face. But Jesus Christ came to live a perfect sinless life, to die on your behalf and to take your place if only you receive. That's the gospel. And so they begin to preach this And people are cut to the quick. They're cut to the heart, the Bible says. And they begin to make professions of faith. What does that mean? This is the only response that's that's good when it comes to the gospel. I repent, therefore I turn around and I believe. I step in faith from here on out to live for Christ. And so they start doing that and everything begins to change. That's why we sing. Everything changes, right? Everything changes when you respond to the gospel message. Amen? Can I get an amen? Yes. And so we're now at the point where we see the results of that first message or or preaching, that sermon from Peter. And and, and I want you to read with me in Acts chapter 2, verse 44. Now all who believed were together. And had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods. Is that me? I was about to get upset with someone and it's me. (laughs) It's my phone going on. Can you turn it off? Here, give it to me. Raquel, give me the phone and I'll turn it off or take it back there. Raquel says, no, I'm going with it. <laughs> I have no idea. These, these uh, electronics have a mind of their own. Can we get back to the gospel? Here we go. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. That word is, is known in the Greek as koinonia. It means a deep fellowship community, a heart, a heart oneness with, with your family. And what I want you to remember is that we have preached and we've talked about, if you've been here the last several, several weeks, about the spirit of adoption, Right? That, that we have received the spirit of adoption. That means we come into heart oneness, into family relationship, into this fellowship and community, not only with each other, but with the King of glory, with, the, with our Father, that we can now call out to Him, Father God. Father God, would you help me? And so the Bible talks about this oneness. Now watch what happens. And they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all, As anyone had need. So as they saw each other's needs, they began to meet them. This deep sense of family. Amen. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. You know this beautiful fellowship was was found in their wanting to be together, wanting to eat together, wanting to meet each other's needs, wanting to be family. You know that is so near and dear to my mother's heart. You know anytime there's a s- struggle or a or a challenge between the brothers, sisters, you know my mom's always the first one to say, "Make peace, make sure you stand together, make sure you remember that 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 you only have each other. You know, that this is so important. And it goes all the way back to when we were in Houston, Texas, and in Second Ward, inner city, that, you know, we could fight and we could be upset with one another, but we always had to have each other's back and love each other and care for each other and make sure that we were one. And this is what I sense God is saying, look, I've called you to a family atmosphere, To have family dinner together, they ate together. Come on, how many of us, when we hear the word fellowship, we immediately think of food. If you were if you were raised like I was in the Baptist church, um, my dad would love to have uh, church fellowships, and the church fellowships included everybody bring a covered dish, and everyone would bring. And we knew who cooked good. You know, (laughs) everyone knew. Oh sister so-and-so, she's bringing this. Make sure you get in line because last time there wasn't enough. And so I was an outspoken little, little rascal. I'd go up and I'd ask sister so-and-so, can you make more? And then she would start bringing me my own. And then, then my brothers would start attacking. You know, it just got to be, a, I mean, this was This was a big deal to eat together. And so we had this church that was growing and we were eating together all the time, eating together. And so we started planning uh, a mission in Smithville and a mission in Elgin and a mission different places. And he started reaching out and and, uh, Gilbert Cervantes was in our first service. He was in charge of the royal ambassadors and the royal ambassadors were the young men And it was a discipleship ministry to teach them the Word of God and grow them up in the Word of God. And so we started reaching out to the community because in the Baptist denomination, the Royal Ambassador Organization, they have all sorts of different um, activities you can do. You can run track and and reach the state level from the regional, local, regional, state. You can do Bible drill. You can do all sorts of things. And and one of the things you could do is play basketball. And so we started forming a track team and a basketball team, and we started reaching out to the community. So it wasn't long before we had kids from all over the community. And when you get kids from all over the community, they're going to look like the community. Amen? But can I tell you, this church's name was First Mexican Baptist Church, (laughs) because there was already a First Baptist Church. So these guys got together years ago. This this church has a deep heritage, and they called it First Mexican Baptist Church. Real creative. I I get it. I get it. And so my dad was the pastor there. But when you start reaching out to the community and forming a basketball team, you're going to get Anglos. You're going to get Mexican, Hispanic. You're going to get African American and black. I mean, you're going to get all the rainbow of of the community. And it wasn't long before some of the leaders said, we don't know if we like this. Some of these kids, they to be coming to church. So my dad said, no big deal. We'll invite them on Wednesday, and we'll feed them, and we'll eat together. Fellowship. And so everybody started eating. Everybody started coming. The church was packed. We still don't like it. The name is first Mexican. You see where we're going with this? Some of them are not Mexican. My dad's like, I don't know if I'm Mexican. (laughs) I mean, what does that mean? You know? So then we worked through that problem, and my dad said, okay, they're interested in reaching Mexicans. Let's go to Stony Point. Anyone know where Stony Point is? Uh, They got a few. And so, my dad said, we're going to reach that. that." And and so he starts taking the church van out there and we start bringing back all these families and little kids and they didn't have paved streets. And so the van gets muddy and they're like, we got a problem. Preacher, you're bringing dirty Mexicans now. (laughs) And he's like, what is going on with you people? Eventually, they couldn't resolve all the problems. He, he ended up leaving to Houston. And, um, and, but, but, but this is my point. This is my point. Eating together by itself doesn't create unity. Today I want to talk to you about where real unity comes from. Because you can eat together and still not be united. And in fact, I've seen many churches that focus a lot on fellowship, and they're bickering all the time. In fact, one of the biggest fights I ever had with my uncle, my uncle-uncle, my, my, my was over Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> that means you can have an eating time and be having a good time and still not be in unity. And so today, I want to show you where unity comes from. And so I've entitled my message, The Fellowship of the Church. Oh, pastor, that's creative. It's supposed to be The Fellowship of the Ring. Well, J.R.R. Tolkien understood, understood this message, I promise you. He was a Christian. And so you're going to see that real fellowship comes from a very specific thing. But without giving it away, I want to read Jesus' words. Now, these are Jesus' words at the very end when he's promising the Holy Spirit to them. And it's found in John 17. This is towards the end of John 17. He's already prayed for his disciples. He's prayed for the believers. And he's praying now for us. He's praying into the future. And watch verse 20. I do not pray for these alone. But also for those who will believe in me through the word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. So he's talking about oneness. When you see that oneness, I want you to think of unity, not fragmented Not different parts, not different visions, but one vision, one unity, one heart. And so he says, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. This is why the Bible says in the book of Ephesians, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. So the Holy Spirit brings us together. But there's still a greater factor that I haven't revealed yet. Stay with me. Jesus has already told you. I don't know if you caught it. But in case you haven't, let's keep preaching. First and foremost, I'm going to cover three different points, and each point takes you deeper into what this oneness is. This unity, this closeness that he calls koinonia. First I'll talk about fellowship. Then I'll talk about community. Both of those words are used to define the Greek word koinonia, And I'll finish with koinonia. So fellowship is the first level. Fellowship is coming into family by the spirit of adoption. You are brought into the family of God. Isn't that amazing? You now have brothers and sisters. They're sitting next to you. Say hi to your brother and sister. Say, what's up, bro? What's up, sis? How you doing? This is what it means to have this fellowship. And it's so important. In fact, the Bible says this about fellowship. Two are better than one. Isn't that true? That you know two plow horses can pull more than what their individual uh, sum of what they can, they're capable on their own. Meaning this if one plow horse, I'm just gonna use round numbers, can, can pull uh, 5,000 pounds and the other can pull 5,000 pounds, but if you hoist them together and they learn to pull as a team, they'll be able to do more than 10,000, more than the sum of five and five. They'll go to 15, 20. This is what the Bible's talking about here. Listen to what he says. Two are better than one because they have a good reward. They have synergy for their labor. For if they fall and one, the one will lift up his. Come on. If one falls, the other will lift up his, her, fellow. This is where we get the word fellowship because we're in community. We're in family. We're in friendship. And then he says this, but woe to that. Uh, to him that is alone when he falleth. For he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? This is why the Bible says this. You have to what? Bear with one another. You have to endeavor. You've got to work with one another. You've got to help each other. You've got to work your differences out because you're so important to each other you need that person sitting next to you that's what fellowship is i need you you're my fellow and so i have to endeavor listen to what the bible says endeavoring to keep the unity what is endeavoring i looked that up it means it means concerted concentrated purposeful effort i'm cutting closer to the bone listen to the words i'm using purposeful effort That means this is what I'm endeavoring to do, I'm gonna work at it. Work at what? Work at unity. Unity of what? Of the spirit, which is the bond of... See, if you wanna have peace, it's not just eating together. Because I saw that in my own experience. We were eating together, and yet we were still arguing about things that God's word says are wrong. God's word says at the foot of the cross, there's neither Jew nor Greek. What are we looking at background and ethnicity and this and that for? Not only that, he says there's neither male nor female, slave nor free. At the foot of the cross, we're all important to God. All of us are. And so that's what brings the bond of peace. Stay with me. Let's keep going. Not only are we supposed to endeavor, not only are we supposed to bear with one another, But it says, don't neglect each other. Don't neglect meeting together as some get in the habit of doing. You know, it's easy to get in the habit of missing church. Why are we supposed to to create a habit to encourage one another? You see that? You need someone to encourage you. Do you know, I need people to help me be a better father. Help me be a better husband. Mothers, you need other women to help you be better mothers. To help you, give you a that a boy, a that a girl, a pat on the back to say, you're doing good. I've seen your work. Can you pray with me? Yes, I'll pray with you. Let's pray together. Let's believe together for our children. Amen? That's what we're called to do. But especially now. Why now? Why is this so important now? He's right. It tells you right there. That the day of his return is drawing near, because as the day of his his return draws near and near and near, is it going to get harder or easier? Oh, the enemy's going to up his game, and you're going to need each other's encouragement. Woe to the one that has no one there when he falls, but pastor, can I just be honest with you? I don't need any more friends. I've got enough social connections and commitments. Come on, am I the only one? I don't know if I, I mean, I get it. I'm not alone, believe me. I have a large family. I have a large friend base. You should see my Facebook account. I've got a limited, you know, it's like I've got a lot going on. Let's go to community. Community. See, we talked about the family of God. You've been brought into the family of God, but you're also called to form community. Now, what is community? It means common unity, having something in common that brings you into unity. What is that one thing that the church has in common that brings them into unity? I still haven't given it to you yet. I'll tell you what it is. It's found right there in Jesus' prayer. Let's read it together. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through the word. So he's praying for the disciples. That means the disciples are going to preach the word through the ages. And those will believe, that means you and me, someday in the future. Watch. That they all may be what? As you Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that they sent, that you sent me. Did you catch that? When we are united, then the world believes in Jesus. You know what's so amazing? That many times we think if only we could do miracles, people would believe. There's churches that really focus on that. We've got to do a miracle. Pastor, if you would just get with it, pray up a little bit, and heal somebody. And let me know when so I can get it on video, and then I'll tell all my family about it. Jesus said even if they see someone rise from the dead, they won't believe that's not what does it. Oh, I get it. Prophecy. Prophecy. I've got to learn prophecy backwards and forwards because I've got to be able to prove that hundreds of years ago, so-and-so said this, and it came to be. I mean, he hit it on the nose. How can they not believe? I'm going to show them all 300 prophecies. Can I tell you? They will let it go, and they won't pay attention. That's not what makes people believe. You know what I need? I need, I need to get really good at using this. Hmm. slap some people around. I need to argue them into the kingdom. I need to show them how foolish they are. Yet now that that doesn't work either. What did Jesus pray? When they see them united, the world will believe. Now watch, keep going. I'm going to go down a couple verses. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me. Ooh, well, that's going to be more, more, more moving than a miracle. Yes, because, because what he's saying is when we're united, the spirit is activated. And the spirit of the living God will bring miracles when he needs to. He'll speak when he needs to. He'll do whatever he needs to to draw people. Just like he did in the book of Acts, but it starts with unity. You go, okay, Pastor, if it's not eating, and if it's not just saying, well, let's be united. You know, it kind of hit me when I was watching the NBA finals this year. And 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 just stay with me for a second because I really I, I use the word hate in first service, and that's not a good word. I, I mean, I just like that's not a good word. So I, I'm not gonna use the word hate, I'm gonna use the word strongly, strongly dislike the Lakers. I just strongly dislike the Lakers, and it could be one particular person on the Lakers. I don't know, but I'm just, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm with you. I'm just messing around, um, but, but I'm a San Antonio Spurs fan, and I haven't had a lot to cheer about in recent years, and so, you know, it's funny because I really disliked the, um, the, the Warriors too, and you're going, Pastor, you just have a problem with California. No, 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 I don't, I don't. I don't Come to think about it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just thinking. Uh, look, it's just that the Warriors kind of ended the Spurs dynasty. But now that I dislike the Lakers even more than anyone, then the the Warriors are now my team. <laughs> they were my team for a minute until I started talking noise to Brother Jamie. You, know, you guys know Brother Jamie. He's a big Lakers fan. I go, yeah, we well, Steph Curry and and, and the rest of the team, we're going to kick your butt. And of course that did not happen. The Lakers won. But I started realizing, you know, all the teams that are advancing, because I love basketball, all the teams that are advancing have a unity, I mean a real unity. Now let me ask you, do you suppose they had potluck covered dishes uh, every day after practice? And they ate together, and just ate together, and just ate together. Do you think that did their unity? Is that is that the key to unity? How about they go on a retreat, and they spill their guts to each other, and they confess, and, and they just love each other, and they just cry with one another, and and and, and Darvin Ham just says, "Guys, I just love you so much." And LeBron goes, "Me too. And I'm so sorry for." Do you think that was the key to the unity? Now I'm not. I'm not putting down those type of experiences. I'm not. I'm just trying to be emphatic here. What do you think is the key to their unity or any of the other teams that are still in it or any team that makes it to the pinnacle of success? Do they have to sit around a campfire and sing songs together? I'm not saying that that doesn't do it. It can, but is that the, oh, is that what really makes a championship team? What makes a championship team? They've got to be united in their, in their purpose. And when you have a united purpose, it's powerful. Now do you get why that church started having problems even though they were eating together, they lost sight of their purpose. What is our purpose? Let me read it to you straight from God's word. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that means if you are a Christian, the new creation has come. You are new. You are brand spanking new. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled you To himself through Christ. And watch. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It gets even better. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. And he has uh, committed to us the message of reconciliation. Who's he giving that message to? You and me both. We now have the message. When we become Christians, we become new creations. And now we have what? The message to bring somebody else into what? Fellowship with Christ. Stay with me on this. He says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Jesus put it this way Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. This is one of the greatest commandments he's given us, to go out there and to share the gospel. Come on, can I speak to a mother's heart? It's every mother's heart to see their child and their children saved, is it not? Can I tell you something? When you get about God's heart, he'll bless your heart. And it may not be your words that bring your son to salvation, but he'll bring someone else. That's the way the kingdom works. That's the way the kingdom works, because this is what we're called to do. Watch in the, bo- in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power. Where does the power come from in the book of Acts? It's not by eating together. It's because They were brought into adoption. They were put, the Holy Spirit comes into them. And the Holy Spirit has one purpose, to make Christ come alive to the world, to make Christ come alive to you. And he came to seek and to save those who were lost. And when you get on mission, then community starts happening. Can I tell you, a church that's not on mission is going to bicker about all sorts of stuff. They are. A family that's not on mission is not going to feel that closeness. You were called to something beautiful. Let me put it to you this way. Well, let me finish here. You shall, be my to, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. Every shape and size, big or small, short or tall, light or dark doesn't matter. We're called to reach the nations. And when a church starts to reach the nations, they're united. And they reach this idea of koinonia. This is where we end. But before we end, I want to ask you this. I want you just to answer it within your own heart. Do you usually get up and say, Lord, I know you have brought me into partnership with you. You've made me an ambassador. Now, Lord, what is it that you have for me today? What is it that you have for me today? Who is it you want me to reach? Think about it. If you're like most people, including myself, I have to repent of this. We typically say, instead of saying, Lord, what is your plan for me today? We typically say, Lord, I have a great plan for me today. Will you help me? Isn't that the way we usually wake up? I've got a great plan today. Help me accomplish it, God. We say, Lord, I want a great family. Help me accomplish it. Lord, I want a great life. Help me accomplish it. Lord, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. Will you, will you get involved? And the reason I know this is because when it's not going exactly the way you prescribed or the way you would think, how, what do we usually do? say, man, God, this isn't fair. I've been working. I've been volunteering in the back with some kids I don't even like. i got to deal with other people's bratty kids, and now, I mean, you haven't hooked it up. I've been showing up to church because the pastor's been bugging me, and I show up and show up and show up, and the other day, I showed up, and -and so-and-so had a brand-new truck. That just kind of made me feel a little... I know they don't come half as much as I do. I know they don't do half as much as I do. I'm tithing all the time. I'm doing this. I'm helping so-and-so. I'm doing it. And we start recounting the Lord. And we're saying, where's my blessing? Can I tell you that is the blessing? The Father is the blessing. The mission is the blessing. The purpose is the blessing. That's the blessing. I'm reminded of the, of the two sons that Jesus told the parable about. Both of them were lost. We tend to think only one was lost. They were both lost. One left the house, the other never left, but he was just as lost as the brother who left. The brother who left, what? He spent all his father's inheritance on wild living, comes back and the father greets him with open arms, throws a party on his behalf. He kills the fatted calf and the older son is in the the field, mad, upset, why? Well, you've never done this for me. And God said, what are you talking about? You've been in my presence the whole time. I'm your reward, the father was saying. But if you want a party, we'll throw a party. See, I'm not saying you shouldn't want a great family. You shouldn't want these amazing things, but for what purpose? For what purpose? Seek ye first the kingdom, the Bible says. Moms, can I appeal to your heart? You put your family on kingdom purpose, and I promise you the blessing will come. The blessing will come. That's what he says. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things shall be added to you as well. What he's talking about is a deep koinonia so that one day we can say, Father, My hour has come. My hour has come. Listen, look at the words of Jesus. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. This is how he starts off his prayer. He's saying, okay, I'm I'm about this. My purpose here on earth is done. Do you realize you have a purpose? And your purpose is to see those within your circle of influence saved. I want to ask you, what other purpose do you have in your year, this year, that is greater than seeing your loved ones get saved? Is there anything more pressing? No, look at me. Is there anything more pressing? You want to see the power of God move? Make that your priority, make that your heartbeat. That will unite you with people. You know why it will unite you? Because when you get on on serious purpose for God, the world's going to come against you. And this is what happens. I've noticed this when I've played sports and when I watch sports. I just noticed this phenomenon. I don't know if you've ever noticed it. But the closer you get to the goal, the stronger the defense. Have you noticed that? No, the, the closer you get to the goal, right? Soccer, the stronger the defense. The closer you get to the basketball goal, the stronger the defense. The closer you get to the football goal, the stronger, the closer you get to God's heart to see your family saved, the stronger the defense. You go, oh, life is pretty good for me. Yeah, you're over there in, in the concession stand. Get on the field. Run down the, you know, that you might say as Paul said, Paul said, The time of my departure is at hand. He says something similar to Jesus. The time of my departure is at hand. I fought the good fight. I ran my race. And now my life has been poured out as a drink offering before the altar of God. I'm poured out. I'm done. I've got nothing left to give and I've got nothing left to accomplish because I accomplished what God put me here to do. And now I await the crown of righteousness that I will receive from my King in glory, as he says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. I cannot wait. The time for my departure is at hand, Timothy, to, to finish life that way. I'm reminded of, of Pastor Melissa's grandmother, who at the end of her life, I mean, there in the last moments of her life, was singing with Raquel singing to her. You saw the video if you were here, it was so moving. And she could barely speak, but she's singing the goodness of God. And she just starts to cry and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I had a feeling, oh, Lord, I want to finish that way. That's what brings a church into unity. That's what gives it the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what will bring miracles depending on what he desires, not what we desire. And it's for bringing people to Jesus. To Jesus. So what I've covered is fellowship with each other. We need each other. Community, our purpose, It's what grounds us. Now to finish the sign of the cross, is when we come into that heart, that heartbeat with our Father. When our heart beats for what His beats for. And we begin to be united by the power of the Holy Spirit to do what we could never do in our own strength. I don't say this to impress you, but to impress upon you how the Spirit works. Spirit works. I'm finishing up the, the message. I mean, I'm finishing up on Friday, and I was, I was really, really tired because we had a very, very long week. I've got to prepare for, for Summer Elevate that's coming. I'm writing curriculum, and I'm preparing for this message. I'm preparing for Friday's message at the funeral service. And I'm not saying that again to impress you, but to impress upon you, I was tired. I was tired. And it's been a long day. It was late in the even, afternoon. I'm, I'm putting things in my truck. Everybody's kind of getting ready to go home. And I, sent, I see here the basketball being dribbled. So I look over to the basketball court and I see a young man who's kind of shooting, uh, but he's not shooting with a lot of purpose. He's shooting just to distract himself. I can tell. And so I immediately look away because I'm thinking, oh man, anyway, I'm thinking what a normal human would think, I'm tired. I don't want to go over there. So I'm finished putting my stuff up and I feel the Holy Spirit say, son, I need you to look over there. If I look over there and he reminds me, this man has been here at least twice with that same look. He's dealing with something, go pray for him. said, Lord, my knee, my feet, these boots, I'm tired. How long might this take? He doesn't say a word. He just says, my heart is for you to go pray with him. That's all I feel. All right, let's do this. So I walk down there, and as I start walking down, you can imagine when you want to be alone and someone starts walking towards you, what look do you have? Yeah, that's the look that I felt. And... Uh, so I thought, oh, man, he's not going to receive me too well, so let me just start here. I said, hey, man, I'm glad you're here. I'm so glad you're using the court. That's, I mean, it just brings me joy, something like that. I forget exactly what I said. And he goes, thank you. And I could still tell he had that feeling like, okay, you told me what you were going to say. Why are you still walking towards me? And then I said, hey, I'm supposed to pray for you. And he just dropped his head. And I, I'm getting to him by this time, and I said, how can I pray for you? Is there something that you're working through, something you're dealing with? I was over there getting my stuff ready, and the Holy Spirit put you on my heart, and I'm, I'm supposed to pray for you. God led me here to pray for you. And he says, yeah, I'm working through some real stuff. In fact, I've been here a couple of times because I like it here. It feels good here, but I don't want to go home. And so as I began to share with him the gospel message, he kept wanting to talk about his problems. And I said, let me share with you the solution. Let me share with you that God came into this world to save you. And he loves you. And as we went through the gospel message and I led him through from you think you're a good person? And of course he said, yeah, I'm a pretty good person. And we worked through that. At the end, you know, he's crying. And I said, let's pray together. This is what it means to repent and believe. And you will be a new creation. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can be sincere enough. I said, you can't be sincere enough. Therefore, Jesus will intercede. The Christ is your intercessor. So I said, let's pray together for that. And we prayed, and with tears coming down his eyes, I couldn't help but just hug him. Just hug him. He felt like my brother. In fact, he w- is my brother. Does it matter that he's not my skin color? No. Does it matter we're not from the same background? No. What does matter is that Christ saved him just the way he saved me. Just the way he saved me. So he's on his knees and he's, he's sharing all his emotion as the tears roll down his face. And, and I, by this time I'm, I have my hand on his shoulder and I go... Are you hungry, by the way? Do you like barbecue? <laughs> we had a ton of barbecue left over. We bring him barbecue. By this time, his wife and his children are there. I give him a Bible. I was looking for him. I think he was coming to church. so I'm looking for him in one of these services. If you want to help me minister to him, his name is Mr. Jones. He's a brother in Christ now. That's what brings the church into unity. Moms, you want to see God's, God have a mighty move in your family? Get serious about what his heart is beating for. And it's beating for your children who are lost. It's beating for your nephews that are lost. He's beating for your, for your nieces that are lost. He's beating for the lost. I love you, church. With all my heart, I love you. Koinonia. The highest form of koinonia is communion. Communion with God. Lord, with one voice and with one heart, we declare we love you, and we ask, Lord, that we would fulfill your plan and your purpose. Not just today, but every day. Remind us of the great gift you gave us. As we take this wafer and this juice, we allow our hearts to be reminded of what you did on the cross as you gave your body and shed your blood. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, I love you. Man, I love you.